Good day and welcome to a brand new episode of the GI Startup Podcast. First of all, if you are listening to this, thank you and kudos for taking the time to invest in yourself and learn about the future of this field. I've had some requests to shorten the duration of the episodes, so I've split this interview into two parts. Today we're going to be chatting with Austin Chang. Austin Chang is very well known in the GI community. Austin minored in biology at Duke University. He went on to medical school and residency at Columbia. He later did his GI fellowship at Brigham and Women's, then went on to do advanced endoscopy at Thomas Jefferson, where he later joined as faculty. About one year ago, he joined Medtronic as CMO of their GI enterprise. Austin is not only famous as a great physician and a skilled endoscopist, but also he's a social media sensation. In part one of this interview, we're going to discuss his social media success, strategy, and goals. And in part two, we're going to talk about his role in Medtronic, um, as well as other topics. So without further ado, let's start our conversation with Austin Chang. All right, Austin Chang, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. I'm really, really excited to have you as a guest on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited as well. All right. So... At the beginning of every interview, I always record an introduction, but I always like to hear my guest tell me about their, themselves in their own words. That is always, I find, very insightful. So tell us your story, Austin, the man behind the voice. Who are you um, and how did you end up here? <laughs> wow, that's a very existential question because um, <laughs> I feel like there are a lot of ways to answer that. I can say that I... I'm somebody who is, you know, very curious and has always been open to new experiences and um, find myself to be uh, pretty worldly in the sense that I've grown up outside of this country as well and kind of bring that perspective. Um, so, you know, first and foremost, I think as a human being, I, I like to think that I'm multifaceted and like to, you know, consider all different perspectives. But um but I will say in terms of my life story, it began in Southern California where I was born and raised. And then I moved to Taiwan when I was 10. Um, and uh, I spent some time there through middle school and high school and uh, ended coming up, coming back to the U.S. for college at Duke Med School and residency at Columbia in New York. Um, and then GI fellowship uh, at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, where I also did a bariatric endoscopy fellowship, um, got my master's in public health, and, uh, and then came to Jefferson here in Philadelphia, um, where I did my advanced endoscopy year. And later I stayed on to join as faculty um, to lead the endoscopic bariatric program and serve as the chief medical social media officer for the enterprise. Um, and that was for the past several years until uh, recently, a couple months ago, when I stepped into an additional new role um, at Medtronic as the first chief medical officer for the GI business of that company. So um, I think that my career has evolved already in several different ways. And, um, you know, I find myself kind of straddling different worlds, whether it's the social media world and um, and then now the medical technology world, as well as the academic world. So it's, it's very exciting to say the least. And um, I think it's a reflection of who I am because I like to, 
I like to do many different things at the same time. <laughs> so that's my story. That's, that is so impressive. I, I have to say that this is the biggest number of achievement that I've probably heard in this amount of time, I think. Oh, <laughs> no. Really, really incredible when, when you put it, you know, that quickly. It's really, really impressive. And, you know, Thank you've you. done so much um, and, and you've been, I think, so successful as a physician, as, as a scientist. Um, but your claim to fame has been through social media. Um, and I'd have to say for someone like me, I've had a really love-hate relationship with social media. I've uh, been on and off and on and off. Um, and I haven't really discovered, I would say, the use of social media until very recently. Um, but you have managed, You, if I would use the most appropriate word, I think, you have pioneered the use of social media in a way that I think nobody else has. Um, so tell us, how did your journey with social media start? Well, I really appreciate that, first of all. Thank you. Um, I, you know, I think it was rooted uh, in misinformation really is where it started. So um, if I really had to rewind, you know, aside from the fact that I've always been a fan of social media, I kind of grew up in this era of like MySpace and Facebook coming out my freshman year in college. So I was the target audience for that platform. And, um, but, you know, into my medical training, I started noticing patients coming into the hospital, into the emergency room, after hearing something on TV, through the media, through social media, and, uh, and having that information affect their care. And, um, changing their decision-making. And so that's when I really started realizing the impact that social media has on health. And, you know, this was eight, nine years ago. And so to think that now, especially with the pandemic, really bringing that to the forefront to show how social media can impact public health and a public opinion of healthcare has been um, kind of a bit of a full circle moment. But I think that, you know, again, my social media presence has always been rooted in that uh, desire to tackle misinformation. And um, initially it was kind of also what a lot of people use it for today in terms of networking and communicating with one another. But you know, going back to that initial desire, I didn't wanna stay within this silo. I wanted to look outside of it and speak to my community and speak to the general public. And that's not necessarily what everyone wants to do on social media, I totally recognize that. and. But for me, that was always the goal. And, you know, to be honest with you, some platforms are more conducive to that sort of communication to the general public than others, which is why I've shifted some of my focus away from certain platforms versus others. Um, but that said, I think that, you know, I always thought of social media as a side gig. So even though, you know, quote unquote, like you said, it's like a claim to fame, I always felt like that was not my main purpose uh, I needed to still develop a strong foundation in something clinically. And um, and part of that was also the fact that, you know, when I was at the Brigham, I didn't want to squander the opportunity to work with these amazing, brilliant, you know, legends that I was focusing on social media. You know, I wanted to make sure that I wanted to pursue that interest in bariatric and advanced endoscopy and do it well and be respected by my colleagues in that way. Um, so that was still kind of the foundation. And then 
from there, you know, I treated social media as a side gig, but also with the academic spin on it. So I did a lot of research in social media, would always present pretty much at every single DDW. There's been projects around social media um, because it became a scientific endeavor where I wanted to see how we could improve the quality of medical information in general coming out of um, the healthcare community. So whether directly or indirectly, this work that I've done, um, you know, has helped. I, I hope that it's kind of helped advance the, the, the entire landscape. And, um, and yeah, I mean, ultimately, it led to me forming the Association for Healthcare Social Media, which is a professional society, and we've partnered with the different social media platforms directly. So, you know, this was not just centered on me and my own presence, I wanted to make sure that it was something that was more of a collective um, effort. That's wonderful. I mean, again, you you took it to a whole different level, I think. <laughs> um, and I love how, you know, social media gives, I think, everyone a platform and that platform can be used in, in many different ways. Uh, we've certainly seen it used in really horrifying ways, but it's really refreshing to see people use it um, the way you do in order to kind of um, educate um, as well as uh, raise awareness. And at the same time, I think the most interesting thing that I can think of that that you've done, um, or at least the most interesting thing to me, has been to integrate social media into the general academic hierarchy, right? You, you talked about it become it became a, a kind of a, kind of a scientific endeavor, um, and you actually published about that. And I think there's nobody out there now that doubts the effect of social media on academia in general. Uh, but I'm really interested in th- that journey. How how easy or how difficult was it to integrate social media into the academic hierarchy, which can be rigid at some points. Um, and what kind of feedback did you get from your colleagues, your supervisors um, about that particular point? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that the reception is universally um, positive still. I think that there's still a lot of room to grow. And, and I think that, you know, the challenge is balancing, you know, being taken seriously with your social media presence. So I think that whatever social media presence you have to supplement what you are doing, it's it should be a supplement, not not your entire focus. Um, and that's not to say that we need healthcare reporters and whatnot, but you know, I still think that for those of us who are there to talk about our own work, um, you know, we want to make sure that that work that we're talking about is solid. Um, so, you know, when I started out, it was a different time because I was still a trainee, and it took me some time on certain platforms like Instagram, for instance, to put my face out there and associate my likeness with what I was saying. And, and to be very transparent with you, it took me a couple of years between when I started on like Twitter, for instance, to when I actively decided to get going on Instagram because I felt like I needed a little bit more of an authority to or, or feel comfortable in the authority that I had to speak on certain subjects on Instagram when my face is plastered all over that platform. So, um, so initially, I mean, kind of to go back to your question, I, f- I feel like the feedback initially was kind of skeptical, like, where is this going? Why are you spending your time on this? And but in my mind, I could see that for patients, consumers, they saw social media as a means of collecting information. 
And there's no better example now than the pandemic when we were all, you know, stuck on the internet um, seeking answers throughout the this entire uh, past two years for us to um, to recognize that, you know, social media has that power and reach. And so, um, you know, I think that along the way, I've I felt like some of the secondary benefits of being on social media that I've been able to demonstrate in some ways um, are that. I can talk about certain subjects within our field that don't get much attention because, you know, there's not a marketing budget or it, it just doesn't get to to as many people, you know, through tra traditional means. Um, and then also, you know, humanizing the profession because I think one of the most deep rooted issues that we have in healthcare is the distrust in health professionals and. And, you know, on the surface, it might seem kind of silly to be doing humor and things like that. But we also want patients to feel like we're approachable and that we're not intimidating. And, and that's always been a big thing for me. So even when at the beginning of this whole journey, when there were certain um, people advocating to separate your professional from your personal social media presence, I was always against that. I was I always wanted both to be one and the same for me, at least, because I wanted patients who happened to be following me to see that I was out and about and that I, you know, um, had the same questions, concerns and struggles that they had. And um, and it's only human to be to be that way. So I think that sh kind of bringing that distance closer with the patient um, is ultimately what I think I was able to do a little bit and to show my colleagues and others um, around me that that's part of where the value is, um, I think is what I think helped help them understand. And of course, again, the, the pandemic catalyzed this whole process. Thank you so much for bringing that up. I, I love how you, how you described it. You want your patients to see you as a human being. You want your patients to feel relatable, you to feel that you're relatable to them. That That is really powerful and really essential. And I feel like a lot of patients sometimes, like you said, view, view physicians with mistrust just because physicians are so careful about not showing any signs of what traditionally is called weakness or, or vulnerability. But, you know, that's what makes us human. Um, and, and that has potential to, to mm -hmm. enhance our interactions with our patients and actually uh, make us more relatable. So th thank you for, for mentioning, mentioning that. That's a great Absolutely. Okay. So we talked a lot about social media and about the potential effects of social media and social media has given everybody a platform. What, in your opinion, is the value of, um, you know, the, the words that I'm going to use may have a negative annotation, but um, what is the power of self-promotion or self-branding uh, for young physicians on social media? And what should physicians, in, in particular young physicians, be doing um, in order to self-promote or self-brand in order to position themselves for um, success to make their goals come true? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, um... It depends on what everyone's purpose on social media is. Uh, some people are there to educate. Some people are there to network. Some people are there to just express themselves. And you know, if the goal of 
being on social media for that person is to network, for instance, and seek out opportunities and connect with the right people, then, then yes, I do think that you have to somehow demonstrate what your interests are. And, um, and that way you can connect better with others who have similar interests. So it's only natural to want to talk about, um, you know, those types of interests. And, and of course, if you have achievements to be proud of those achievements, you know, I think that that's something in medicine that we're not necessarily good at is not necessarily self-promotion, but just kind of showcasing, you know, what we've achieved, what we've worked so hard for. Um, so I, I think that, you know, and some of those achievements are directly benefiting patients, right? Like some of these studies that people participate in, um, some of those findings are important to disseminate because uh, it can really help drive practice and, you know, benefit our entire field and, um, and you know, allow patients to, to benefit from those findings. So I think that there is some value to that. Um, I don't think that, you know, I think the key is just not overthinking this and turning it into like purely a self-promotional, self-branding type marketing uh, vehicle. Um, I think, you know, again, for me, if education or kind of, again, drawing the patient closer and developing that relationship, um, if that that's the key for me. And so if that means, you know, branding myself in a way to, to be that person, I think that that's fine. But, um, but yeah, I don't think that we need to focus too much on kind of developing a unique brand. I think it just depends on what your purpose is. Wonderful. So basically what we're saying is determine what your goals from social media are and then formulate your strategy based on that. Yeah, I think it also, you know, the three P's that I go by for um, for picking kind of what the best social media platform is for someone is, you know, the platform itself, platform slash proficiency, um, because not everybody is good on camera or feels comfortable on camera. So if you're good with video, you might lean towards certain platforms like YouTube, TikTok, etc., rather than Twitter, for instance. Um, what your purpose is, as I mentioned, and then also who your audience is, so people. So I think that these are the three P's that I kind of use to determine what platforms are best for someone I'm trying to advise. Um, I think for the grand you know, the, the great majority of physicians, um, the biggest bang for their buck at this moment is probably Twitter, just because of sheer numbers of how many doctors are on there. But I think there's potential for that to change. You know, um, I've, I've always been kind of an early adopter and trying to look for what the next big platform is going to be. And it's going to be harder and harder because there's just so many more um, platforms that will come out. But um but, you know, the landscape will change and our interests will change. And, you know, Facebook at one point was kind of the go-to platform for our generation. And then we kind of moved along. So um, we'll have to adapt to, you know, and see how our mode of communication changes over time. Wonderful. That's wonderful advice. And I really want to highlight the point that you made earlier about um, being proud of your achievements. Um, and it doesn't always have to be smug. Um, and it really reminds me of a story um, that I had. I, I once applied for a certain position during residency um, and I didn't get it. And I was really upset because I felt I was really qualified for it. 
Um, so I went to my supervisor um, who was responsible for picking the person who had to do that role. And I, you know, inquired, I was like, why, why wasn't I picked here? Here, here are the reasons why I should have been picked. You know, I have done this, I've done this, I've experienced in this, 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 and that. And she looked at me and she said, well, I didn't know. I, I had no idea that you had all these qualifications. Um, so she told me that sometimes you, you have to grab your horn and blow on it because otherwise people won't see you. People won't know uh, what you've done. So it's, it's not always smug to be proud of your achievements. It can be something that is absolutely reasonable. So I, I absolutely love that, that uh, piece of advice. Um, all right, Austin, you know, I, I was looking through your background and um, I did a bunch of research about you before the interview. Um, and I noticed that uh, Helio named you uh, the rising disruptive innovator um, in ACG in 2018. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was a pretty cool honor. Um, I thought, you know, it was an interesting award to be given. And, you know, at the time, I think that a lot of the, that award had to was attributed to the social media type of work that I had been doing. And I'm trying to remember exactly the timing of it. But, you know, there was kind of um, certain opportunities that were starting to come my way because of social media, um, maybe around that time, um, you know, ultimately, I was able to, you know, speak to the Department of Human Health and Human Services about vaccines and social media. This was way before COVID. Um, you know, I, I was able to talk about TikTok uh, on the front page of the New York Times. And I think it just went to show that, you know, maybe there was something there that I didn't even realize about myself because I, again, was doing it just purely out of me enjoying it and believing in what I was doing. And, um, and I think that that's just a lot of what it takes, you know, it's just having that sort of conviction and what, what you think is valuable. And, um, and, and sometimes when it doesn't feel like it is, it's because people haven't recognized it yet. <laughs> so, but that was a really nice stamp of approval. And, um, and I was very honored to, to be, uh, be awarded that. And that absolutely well deserved. Um, and I love I love what you said about it, it's it's that convection, right? Because you know, talking to so many people who've been so incredibly successful, um, this is a really common theme. Um, if if your goal is to be successful, that's probably not enough. You have to be driven a little bit more than that. You have to have a little bit more belief and a little bit more. Um, I guess, faith in, in what you're doing. And I think that that is um, absolutely, absolutely wonderful. So, I mean, if I can add to that, yeah. I, I'll also say that, you know, I think part of, part of that whole equation is that I don't consider myself to be successful. Even now, I think despite all the titles and whatnot, I still feel like there's a lot of room for me to grow. And I still feel like, gosh, there's something that something else that that's that I need to be doing that I need to like be better at. And, um, and, you know, some of it may be a little bit of an imposter syndrome and insecurity, but that's okay, because it really drives me to try to be better. Um, and so, you know, that's a really funny word in some ways to hear success, because I don't necessarily relate that relate to that word <laughs> 100%, even though I, I can see why. But I, I truthfully feel like 
you know, I don't know what my own de definition of success is, honestly. And I think I'm just, you know, still on the hunt for it. I think I think that's what makes you so successful. <laughs> I would have to say you're, you're way too humble, Austin. Um, all right. So, you know, looking at your background, um, I've noticed that you've studied biology, you've studied music. That was uh, interesting. You studied medicine. Not only did you um, kind of put yourself in a really, really technical, really specialized niche area like bariatric endoscopy, but also you got a master's in public health. Um, and, and that shows the diversity of your background. That That is really interesting. And I was wondering if those diverse interests and, and that diverse uh, background, if that really helped you on your journey, or do you feel like you you would have done better if you stuck with the more traditional uh, advice of, you know, be goal oriented early on, focus on one thing and just go with it? I mean, I love this question because I don't think that the diversity of background was necessarily like a deliberate thing. I did not seek out when I started college that this is what my path was going to look like and that I was going to incorporate all these different elements. For me, I think that it's a reflection of um, of who I am and kind of my interest in a lot of different things. And to a lot of people now, it might look like it's all come together in a way that makes sense. But for me along the way, it certainly didn't feel that way. And so I think that that diversity of interest is just another way to put it is having an open mind and, you know, being open to certain opportunities, even if it's left field, you know, social media was very kind of outside the box in a sense, you know, now it might not feel that way, but then it felt that way. And, but at the same time, I kind of believed in it. And I felt like when I went through um, getting the master's in public health, a lot of that was kind of um, uh, intended for like biostatistics and use in clinical research. But I deliberately did another certificate within that master's in public health leadership because there were elements of communication, of behavioral economics and tools that I think that we typically don't use in um care, delivery of care uh, in medicine that I think would actually be really helpful. And um, I think that, you know, all this has kind of come together in my most recent role because I feel that in some ways social media was a way for me to look beyond this one-on-one -on -one patient interaction and figure out a way to impact more people. Not that everyone has that goal. Some people want to just, you know, deliver care to that one patient and focus on that. But for me, it was always, okay, how do I have the biggest impact possible? And social media was my way of trying to like reach outside of my, of the immediate clinical setting. And, um, and, you know, I think that that mindset kind of using that as an example, that mindset of, um, just taking whatever, uh, uh, whatever comes my way and being open to it was really key um, because again, like these opportunities, sometimes they present themselves to you. And if you're too pigeonholed in your own ways, you'll miss some of that. That's, that's a wonderful answer. Um, and I think that goes to show that for everybody out there who's listening, who's 
felt like they may not have been focused enough or um, they're looking into different areas, say, in research that, that they feel they like and they, they are being told that you need to focus on one thing. It may not be a bad idea to play around in, in different things because that may actually give you a lot of the tools that you need to succeed in the future. And I love how you brought the knowledge that you got in your MPH into you know, transforming social media into a, a, a way of, um, uh, you know, I guess, uh, it's not healthcare delivery, but in some way it is because education is still healthcare. So you, th- th- that's a really amazing way of, of thinking about it. And that concludes part one of our interview with Austin Chang. Please stay tuned for part two of this interview, which should be coming up in the next couple of weeks. In part two, we're going to discuss Austin's role at Medtronic, his outlook on the future of GI, as well as what young physicians need to be doing to remain relevant in this ever-changing field. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us and leave a review. It would really help us out in creating additional content. Until next time.